Welcome to the Mile High Hockey Lab. Hello and welcome to the Mile High Hockey Lab. My name is Adrian Hernandez. I am here today with Ezra, Evan, and Jackie. We are here to talk Colorado Avalanche hockey. It is a wonderful day to be doing so as the Avs are coming off a big division victory over the Dallas Stars. Uh, thank you to the three of you for joining me. As always, folks, please subscribe, share, like, and turn on your alerts so you know every single time we are live. Head on over to our Spotify catalog where you can hear every weekly episode. Basically, it's kind of like a weekly recap on the entire season. When I look back, it's kind of fun. So you can do that as well. And of course, let me preview kind of what we're going to get into today. So as usual, we're going to do a little bit of a recap from last week. We're going to talk about Detroit, Toronto, and Dallas. Um, a little bit of Miko Rantanen in there. We're going to do the breakaway challenge as usual. Going to kind of contemplate what the Avalanche should do with their first round pick. And then whoever wins that breakaway challenge will introduce their own segment. And then, of course, we will end with our bold predictions. So let's just get right into it, folks. Let's talk about Avs. Um, and in their two losses, I'll send this one over to you, Evan. Uh, which loss stung more to you, the loss to Detroit or the loss to uh, Toronto? Uh, out of those two, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Toronto, especially just when you look at Detroit's last few games. Yeah, uh, they destroyed, I believe, it was St. Louis, uh, and then followed that up with an ankle performance against uh, against the Caps a few nights later. So. Uh, they're just on a tear, I guess, right now. Which, perhaps to them, I guess. Uh, but I, but I think besides that too, that the Toronto game. When you look at that game in particular, you're up, uh, you're up two nothing. You, you have, you're having a really good chance against a really good team at home, uh, and yeah. then you kind of let it slip away, to be quite frank. Um, and it wasn't necessarily something, you know, quote unquote, bad that they did. They just kind of got outplayed, and a couple of penalties, uh, you know, led to the. Uh, led to the Tyler Bertuzzi hat trick um, that mm -hmm. I know a lot of Avs fans are definitely <laughs> unhappy about. Uh, so I, I, I feel like that one is just like a missed opportunity, you know? At least out yeah. of Detroit, you got a point um, versus in that Toronto game, you missed out on even getting one point um, when you frankly probably deserved one at, at least. At least, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting that you put it that way. You bring up the, the penalties and the one with Miko. I'll say it was the least dumb one he's had in a long time in terms of like it just kind of happened in the flow of the game it wasn't a check a cross check like two miles away from the puck away from the play completely it was within the scope of the game but yeah another untimely penalty for Miko Rantanen that said he did kind of turn it around last night but we'll get there Ezra I want to ask you do you consider the Red Wings a playoff team from what you've seen so far uh, I mean, they're on a bit of a PDO bender right now. They're getting some lucky results, and that seems like it's going to be enough to get them into that eighth seed. I don't think they're much of a playoff threat, but gotcha. uh, will they make the playoffs? It seems like, yeah, it seems like it's trending that direction. You know, they, it was kind of preseason where, like, either Detroit, Ottawa, or Buffalo is going to rise up and take the take a playoff spot, and it's certainly not Ottawa or Buffalo. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and look, I mean, they've got goaltending right now. Alex Lyon is playing great, and that's awesome. Uh, he is the reason Colorado lost that game, as uh, upset as we might be with, with anything else that happened, especially that overtime defensive coverage by Nathan McKinnon. But, yeah. but the reason <laughs> that they beat the Avalanche is Alex Lyon. Yeah. Uh, 
I want to touch on the Miko penalty really quick because you said that it's not one of those stupid ones. It kind of is, though, because, <laughs> like, all players know that if you put the puck over the glass, it goes it, – it, at any time, it's going to be a penalty, right? Yeah. And it's just a choice to make a lazy play at a bad time that results in a penalty that. there. Yeah. I think it is stupid. I, I was really frustrated with that. And, yeah, uh, Miko's done a lot of good uh, in the last – couple of games that was really bad yeah but well yeah. we we Pardon talked me. a little bit last week and and the way i put it was mad miko because a lot of people call mckinnon mad mckinnon when he's like extra frustrated but mm-hmm. we talked about it last week a little bit and i mentioned that personally uh from my point of view i just don't think he's as um consistent and as valuable to the team when he's in that sort of mindset of mad miko he's much better when he's like the docile stoic fun-loving guy in my opinion um but jackie he did look better against Dallas. Like, what are your thoughts on Miko and kind of what I just said? Um, <clears throat> I don't. I you know I can't get on him too much. He's still top ten in league scoring. Yeah. I mean, got to keep in perspective a little yeah. bit here. Um, yes, he's been frustrating. So is the whole team since the All Star break. Um, I liked. I I think it was in the game before. Uh. The one we just saw was that Toronto, yeah. Um, where he he had a rush and then he uh, slid the puck underneath the guy and then he like reached around the guy and like poked yeah. it and it almost went in the net. So I mean that's like vintage Moose stuff. So I think he's been doing a little bit more than just last game, um, and he has been getting picking up some points here and there. I know we'd like to see more. We'd like to see some more goals. We'd like to see more success on the power play, but the power play is not just him. So, um, I don't know. Like I'm okay with Miko's game right now. I wouldn't say he's at his best, but I think he's getting maybe a little too much criticism in a way. Okay. So that's kind of how I feel about I Miko. Mean, I would agree with you based on what you started with, which is that he's top 10 in points, like as is. And and my next question that I'm going to send back to Ezra, because I feel like he didn't get to touch on too much so far. So Ezra, he's got 22 games to get 24 points to be a 100-point scorer this season. Do you think he does it? I think he does. I, I think yeah. uh, we've been hard on him for not seeming very engaged, right? And the last two games, maybe the last three games, the Detroit game, he was good too. The yeah. last three games, he's been very engaged. And and if he's going to be himself and and be engaged, then he's going to score. Uh, and he was already scoring at over a point a game pace when he wasn't engaged. So yeah. I think him dialing it up, it, it's, yeah, I think he's going to make it. Uh, assuming health from everyone involved, I, I think it's a really, it's a safe bet. Yeah, I'm with you there. The point per, just above a point per game stuff really, really sells it for me too with the 22 games left. Um, and like you said, he's he he can get better. We all know that he's he's got even a, a, a higher level than he's shown, which is crazy. Um, but Jackie, do you have something to add to that? Um, no, I'm just like I said, I'm just I'm kind of positive to neutral on Miko right now. So I just and last week you kind of said if we're mad at Miko, are we mad at Makar? Do you feel the same about Makar then too? Um, probably. Like he's had yeah. some. F- flashes this week but I think he's still maybe a little bit more in his spiral than Miko is I I like he had a couple really good moments in the offensive zone yesterday so I'm hoping that kind of starts to pull him out of his hole that he's in but um yeah 
I do think in general in this stretch, I think Makar has been a worse version of himself than Miko has been a worse version of himself. It's a good way to put it. So, um, yeah, I think they'll both be fine, but for, yeah, for different I do reasons. Of, right. I got you though. I do yeah. kind of agree that Makar gets a little bit more rope than Miko does. And I think, yes, he's earned it, but I think at other times it is a little unfair because, um, of the big three, Miko is by far the easiest one to rag on. Yeah. And I think they all have their moments where they're not looking the best. Like McKinnon, when he is playing Mr. I'm the only guy on the team, like he can play terrible too. He can play <laughs> terrible defensively. He can force things. He can ignore his teammates. He can turn the puck over all the time. So... I don't know. I like. I don't think any of them are immune from criticism, but I think Miko gets it way more than the other two. Well, that's interesting that you put it that way too, because after the game, and of course, you know, as earned what I think was kind of one of the more confident victories over one of the better teams um, it, this season for the Avalanche. But um, I've started to feel not so good about that after watching the post game interview of Nathan McKinnon, who said, "And I quote." Yeah, we got the win, but we weren't anything special. Hockey's funny that way. Um, Evan, do you agree with Nate's sentiment following the Dallas victory? And what was your major takeaway if you don't or do agree with him? You know, a win's a win, right? And you're going to take them <laughs> any way that you can get them, right? Especially yeah. right now in in this stretch of hockey where you're having really tough games uh, and you know, every point matters, especially against the division rival that you are chasing for a division lead, you know? So um, I do agree with him though. Like it wasn't anything super special, I guess um, it, and I don't think it necessarily needed to be. I think <laughs> if you, if you want to look at what was special from that game, look at the depth, the fourth line got two goals, uh, two former stars scored against their old team. Uh, that I think that's pretty special, quite frankly. That's a lot. Of, I agree. That's, a, that's, yeah. you know, that's, a, that's something that 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 this team has been missing the last little while is some depth scoring. Uh, so when you're getting those contributions from from the bottom six in particular, that's really going to help your case, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's I think it's something too to kind of be looking at like overall in the entire season, right? Like the they've shown they're capable of doing that, right? The, of having depth scoring, of playing a full 60 minutes and up and down, uh, up and down the lineup. Uh, Georgiev standing on his head doing really well, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And that showed last night, or yeah, I guess last night in Dallas's win. Um, but then you look at Toronto and you're like, what went wrong there? You look <laughs> at Detroit, what went wrong? Like, it's kind of hard to read the team right now, I feel like, a little bit to an extent. Uh, yeah. So it's just a matter of, pulling it together, I guess. And that's going to be really crucial, at least moving forward anyway, um, especially on this two-game road trip. You have two games that I I personally think that they should win, uh, but we've seen them fall against Chicago before already this season in Chicago. And Nashville's always hard to play in anyway. So we'll just have to see if they can use this momentum and carry it forward. Yeah, I hope they can. And I totally agree with you. Like, I think a common phrase I hear a lot on like other media outlets is like this team knows who they are and we know who they are. Some variation of that. I don't know that that's true yet about the Colorado avalanche. I think we know, we don't quite know who they are and I don't know if they completely know who they are either. Um, and I don't think the finding out process is a negative. I just think that it hasn't quite happened completely yet, but it does feel a little bit like it's starting to come together with, uh, names coming back like Nichushkin is is off of player assistance set to come back sometime in the near future. 
Um, but Ezra, Evan talked a little bit about Alexander Gorgiev, who had an excellent game last night, I think. Um, do you agree with me in thinking that that was probably his best game since the All-Star break? Oh, absolutely. I, he had a he had he had one other really good one. Um, I'm, I, the details are escaping me. Um, Probably the Rangers game. Yes, I, thank I, you. Yeah. Exactly I'd put that right. one up there with last night, personally. Yeah, yeah. The Rangers game was fantastic. That was the yeah. That was the first one off the break. So we've kind of forgotten about it a little True. bit because yeah. it was it, it was a lot of losses ago. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah, he was he was excellent. I, I think that's what Nate said about the game not being anything special is. True to an extent, like the overall uh, underlying statistics aren't dominant. Uh, they didn't control play the whole time. But what they did get is contributions from the guys who haven't been contributing. And mm -hmm. Georgiev is top of that list, I would say. Uh, in a, a, an average Georgiev, Georgiev game this season, that first goal leads to a second goal real quick, and then there's a couple more later. But yeah. tonight, or last night, I should say, that first goal – he locked it in after that, you know, and, and the team in front of him played a lot better too defensively, not necessarily controlling play all over the ice, but defensively, structurally, there was a lot less uh, uh, like free rushers at him, you know, mm -hmm. uh, odd man rushes and, and, and such uh, and breakdowns in the defensive zone. So, uh, you know, collectively they defended him better and individually Georgiev played better. It was good. It was good. Yeah. I felt like it, there wasn't a moment where I was like, oh, Gorgiev, you're out of position. You got lucky there. I felt like to the most, to, for the most part, to your point, the defense kind of funneled things to him in a way that made way for him to play pretty square, which was a, a sight for sore eyes. And it, it's funny, as you mentioned, he was great against the Rangers and he's great against Dallas. Those are probably his two best in the last, you know, whatever, how many games. Um, one is his former team, who's probably got a little bit more um, – to prove in that one, at least personally, whether or not he says it out loud. And then the other is the uh, a game against the divisional opponent that's ahead of you. So I feel like that bodes well for the psyche of not only Gorgiev and his teammates, but also fans. Like, it's good to know that for the most part in these really important games, Gorgiev seems to bring his best um, to the table. But Ezra, you mentioned underlying stats. So while I send this question over to Jackie, I want you to do me a favor, and will you look into the underlying stats for the Avalanche's new third line, as it were, last night, which was the Druin, uh, Johansson, and Parisi line. Will you check that out for me? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, Jackie, let's talk a little bit about what's to come. Uh, the Blackhawks will play twice, and, the and then we'll play Nashville as well. Um, how important is it for Colorado to secure at least two uh, of these three? Well, they definitely need to beat Chicago. I mean, there's yeah. just no way around that one. They already lost once in Chicago. They cannot let it happen again. Like, it will not be acceptable. Um, and to lose, I mean, they got to beat them at home, too. I mean, I usually say it's really tough to beat a team when you're seeing them twice in the span of a week. It usually tends towards a split. But the team this poor, you got to beat them twice. And yeah. so if they do that, then I'm okay with them not getting a win in Nashville. Um, like I think as Ezra just said, they're tough to play in their building. They're playing well. Right now they're in a, a wild card spot. They're going to fight pretty hard to keep that spot. And it's especially important for the deadline if they don't want their team to get dismantled. So I yep. think they have a lot of motivation. So if the Avs play well but don't win that one, no big deal. But you, you have to be – win the other two, the Chicago games. Like, uh, I'm glad Bedard's back. He's going to be interesting to see. I, I think 
just the type of player he is is very interesting. So I like watching him, but you have to beat that team. Like it's him and it's truly nobody else. So yeah. um, hopefully the Avs just take care of business. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, well, I agree with that. And you guys are making my job so easy today. I love it because the reason I, why I ask Ezra to go look up the underlying stats and then kind of brought forward this next week is because, as you mentioned, these are going to be the kind of the final few games between now and the trade deadline. And teams will start to make decisions on their future like uh, a Nashville Predators team. And it's not uncommon for the Avalanche to trade with the team, especially one that they're visiting. Um, so keep an eye on that as usual, but I have no insight. That's just kind of me talking, <laughs> but the reason why I want to bring up the underlying statistics is because in our breakaway challenge, we're going to talk about that first round pick and if the abs should use it or trade it. And so Ezra, what did you figure out about that third line of Drew and Johansson and Parise? How were their underlying statistics looking last night? Yeah, so um, they were the second best of the four lines, um, but uh, they were not great. Um, uh, uh, Lekkanen, McKinnon, and Rantanen had a dominant game. Um, they were they had eighty percent of over eighty percent of the expected goals while they were on the ice. Okay. That's great. Um, yeah, the second wild. best line was Drew and Johansson and Parise, but they were at forty five. So they they okay. seeded, you know, over fifty percent of the. Uh, Chances and expected goals um, ended up going to Dallas with them on the ice. Interestingly, the Wood, Colton, O'Connor line, which has been very good in these statistics most of the time, real bad last night, real bad. But okay. uh, and, and I mean, that's part of what what you know that the overall team game not being great comes down to is uh, guys who you count on to win battles, losing battles. But then the fourth line looks good. Anyway, that, the question was about the third line. Um, and I'll, I like the, the I like the full it. breakdown because because that's yeah. what I'm looking for headed into the next segment anyway. So I love it. I love it. They had ten minutes on the ice together, and uh, as a collective trio, the stats aren't terrible, but they aren't pretty. Individually, um, Druen has good underlying metrics, uh, despite being on the ice mostly with those guys. Um, but he's the only one. Okay. Uh, so if if yeah, if we're thinking about changing up that line in the future obviously Nachushkin's going to take a spot most likely um mm -hmm. which should help a lot because he's an incredible play driver yeah, and then yeah. I, I still no no matter how many lucky goals ryan johansson scores or it, he just still needs to be replaced in my opinion okay well then let's get into our next segment the breakaway challenge So what an excellent forward to this breakaway challenge because what we're contemplating is what the Avalanche need to address at the trade deadline, if anything, and then kind of just looking at their, I guess, arsenal of tradable assets. One that jumps out and off the page as usual is their first round draft picks. So let's start with you, Evan, as it's been a while since we've heard your beautiful voice. But let's see and contemplate what the Avalanche should do with that first round pick. In your humble opinion... Do you think the Avalanche should trade that number one pick to shore up their goaltending situation and or center depth? And you have one minute to state your case. I will give you point for every claim that I think is at least valid. And we will see who has the most points at the end of this. And they will pick the next segment. Are you ready, Mr. Managing Editor? Let's do it. Let's do All it. All right. Coming at you live and your time starts now. I do not think that they should trade this first round pick. You're already low on assets and already low on prospects. Uh, if you can add to that a little bit, 
great. Uh, with that also being said, I want to touch on the goaltenders specifically. Anunin has done a solid job, I think. And I think I'm, I think I speak for everybody when I say I'm still kind of a little bit surprised that he's still with the abs. Um, with that also being said, Ivan Prosvetov is absolutely tearing up the AHL right now. He is absolutely phenomenal down there. Now, if they do want to do a swap with them later on in the year, um, who knows? I'm honestly kind of comfortable with either one. Uh, and when you look at 2C, I, I just don't think that you really need a, a first-round draft pick to be able to do that. You have to dump contracts anyway to do that in the first place. The guys are already running tight on roster space. And you still could look at Nikolai Kovalenko. He's played a lot of center, actually, in Russia recently. He maybe could come in and maybe either play 2C or 3C, um, wherever that goes. And, of course, Landis Gog as well, if he comes back. Woo! Good job. Six right there. That's a good one. That's, That's like, good. always my level right there is six. Yeah. I can't Five, I can't six. seem to quite get past it. Yeah. I almost gave you Landis Gog, but I felt like it fell in the same vein of, as the Kovalenko. Just kind of, like, additions up the middle. So, I, I like it. I, I like tried it. to get myself an extra point. I did my best. <laughs> it's always nice when you know the clock's running down. And you're like, all right, 10 seconds. Let me just say like three things really quickly and see if any of them land. But uh, Ezra, that's a pretty good start for Evan, who's got six points, and he's on the side of keeping the pick. Correct, Evan? That's what I heard. Making a selection because you don't think that anybody uh, – that a first round will be necessary to possibly sure up some of these positions. Yep. So, Ezra, your time – starts now i think you have to be open to trading the pick but that said there's not a goaltender on the market who's worth a first round pick and that position doesn't make sense to be a first round pick position because ultimately like like evan said there are decent options in Ananin and in it's hard to say that after what we've seen from prosper at the nhl level but like he's playing very well right now but the the go-to version of a goalie that they should be acquiring is a veteran who can be like a, a, like a a goalie whisperer for Georgiev, and that's like a fifth round pick kind of guy. You know, I don't want to see a first round pick in that trade. I don't think there's anybody on the forward market really who's a first round pick caliber player either. Uh, you know, there's talk of Casey Middlestat mostly from me, um, and if he is indeed uh, an option, then yeah. The other way I could see it going is if you trade a first round pick and Ryan Johansson to get his contract off the books, and you need to sweeten the deal to make that happen with a first round pick. That seems reasonable to me. But individually, there's no player who's worth that. Oh, I gave you that one real quick. I Woo! just repeated myself, but I'll take it. <laughs> kind of. Kind of and, and – and... Kind of and, and absolutely yes. Uh, <laughs> but you did it eloquently, so I, I guess I gave you a point there. Um, so, you. Jackie, basically Ezra is open to the idea of trading that first, but he wonders if there's really an equitable option on the market. Evan, similar uh, opinion towards that first-round pick. Um, I have a feeling I know what you're going to say given <laughs> our reoccurring reminder of your thoughts on the trade deadline, but let's do this anyway and see if you can get yourself another win in the breakaway challenge. So your minute starts now. All right. Well, of course, I'm going to say no, but I'm also <laughs> going to tell you why they won't. And it's because they never traded a first at the deadline in the Joe Sackett era. The only time they traded a first obviously was for Kemper. But last year when they traded Newhook and they had the two first-round picks, so they actually replaced it. So in the Sackick era, they never ha haven't had a first-rounder to add to their arsenal. There's obviously nobody worth it. I don't think it's worth it to even get rid of Johansson when you're looking at a buyout. It's only going to be $1 million. 
Um, they are the only contender without an ELC on their team. Malinsky wouldn't even count. He is too old to even be on, on an ELC. If you look at Dallas, who we played last night, I think at times they made the abs look slow. They have Jason Robertson, who was a second-round pick. Stan Coven was a second-round pick. Wyatt Johnston was 23rd overall, and Thomas Harley was 18th overall. If they can reload their team without needing top 10 picks, the Avs absolutely can do that. And that's why not only will they keep their first-round pick, they definitely should as well. Whew. That was so good. That was so good. I feel like we covered everything, and Jackie, you just like put the cherry on top with some stuff that we hadn't touched on yet. I, t- I completely agree with the three of you. Um, I think that at this point, it's kind of just like, don't just trade a first because you have one. And I feel like that's kind of the thinking among fans right now. It's like, well, we have that first, and we need a second-line center. But it's like, if you're going to trade that first-round pick for a rental, I'm out. And I've said that on social media before. Um, and most people kind of just tell me that, well, why not? You know, late first round picks don't ever amount to much anyway. But it's like, when's the last time we used a late first round pick? The latest we've gotten when we used it, I think, is like 10 last year. So I don't know. I, I could be wrong about that. But I mean, yeah, you. and that's yeah. their problem. Like I said, look at Dallas. I didn't even mention Bork, the other one they haven't even called up yet. Yeah. They can have five. They're like, they're, they're a good team. They've been a good team. They can have five, basically like 20 overall and and lesser assets contributing on their team. That's just, that's the standard you have to meet. If you want to compete with these guys and be in a division with them moving forward, you have to meet that standard. I agree. I agree with that. Well, that means that Ezra is the champion of our breakaway challenge today. And yeah, and thus he gets to introduce the next topic. uh, Uh, But (laughs) yeah, you're welcome. So, Tell me, Ezra, hopefully you've thought a little bit about this. And if not, we can open to the floor if that's something you're interested in as well. But uh, oh, why don't no. you take, take the floor? Um, I was just going to say something. I don't know what it is. But no, I'm not. I, I just, oh, okay, I, okay. Adrian's noticed my my tendency in this is to have not come up with a with – a, a <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't expect to win, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like McKinnon. No, uh, uh, well, I, Evan mentioned playing Nikolai Kovalenko at center, which is very interesting to me. I, I had read one article about that, um, that he'd been playing center in the KHL, and I'm like, yeah, but I, I feel like that's just a case where they're like, I don't know, this is our most talented guy. Let's throw him in the middle and see what happens. Yeah. But he's played wing his whole life. I don't think any of us know enough about Kovalenko to really dive in on this, but uh, it's interesting to me. I'd be shocked to see a KHL rookie – uh, thrown into the centerized position on a Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, um, well, I guess yeah. Let's talk about that. Do you, would you all feel comfortable with that if he really is a center? Uh, I, I mean, mean I wanna... could. Go ahead. Okay. I was I gonna say, start... If anyone knows Kovalenko <laughs> the most, it's Jackie. So that's true. Might as well ask her. Yeah. Um, I'd say I agree with that, but I also don't really think that this team's going to have, you know, quote-unquote, a proper 2C. Like, Colton really isn't. I mean, he can do the job, but I don't think anyone's going to say, like, he's a true 2C right now. But I also don't think anybody they're going to trade for. Like, I, if you think Adam Henrique is, like, your, quote-unquote, proper 2C, he's not either. <laughs> so that's the other thing is, like, um, <clears throat> and I've also felt like I don't care about position that much. Like, I think they should get the best player they can at a reasonable price, like without using the first or 
Richie or anything stupid. If you can take your expendable parts and the best player you can get is a wing, then do it because you need good players. You need players that can put the puck in the net and create offense. So I just, I just don't care about center that much. I just, they line up a certain way on the face off. And then the way that Bednar plays is one guy goes down low. It doesn't have to be the center. You have Miko taking a ton of face offs. You have O'Connor taking face offs. I mean, it's just like, to me, it's sort of a made it made up problem in a way. I mean, they haven't replaced Kadri, and and that part is true and fair. But I don't know. I also just think it's sort of a made up problem because if it truly was an issue, they would have done something about it. So when it yeah, as it relates to Kovalenko, yeah. um, I mean, yes, I I wouldn't say like the last two weeks was like the first time he's ever done it. So. Um, I guess what people won't expect about Kovalenko, he's a good passer and he has a good vision. So to the extent <clears throat> that people believe that Drouin can be like a center and, you know, some of his, his skill set and he was a center drafted as one. So I think if you look at him in that vein, like, could he do it? Could he do the position? Is it worth something exploring? I say yes, but as far as like, oh, okay, we have the 2C answer now, everything's great. No, because obviously you need to see what he looks like in the NHL and everything. But like I said, I don't think anything is going to be like, oh, here's the answer, we're great. So yeah. to that extent, it's just like a more whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. my thoughts are like you're going to have to find out about him and then give it a shot if you have to. Like we've seen Rantanen play center because he has to, and that was just like this the situation. And I don't – I'm always I'm always for like – doing things by committee um i will say you know he's, he's 190 pounds 510 so he's not like the big that's what he's listed too so i mean who knows if he's that's pretty like, stocky yeah like, i he's pretty you know solid in that Stout. regard yeah it's interesting i didn't know like obviously i knew he was the son of andre kovalenko but i i, I it kind of just like i never made the connection um you know, he's actually American. He's actually from Riley, North Carolina. So like people talk about like him coming over and making like cultural changes and adjustments. Like that's not really going to be a thing. Like his whole family has been a part of the NHL his entire life. So he's going to come over and kind of be able to get with the Joneses, Joneses pretty quickly and have plenty of people around him to steer him in the right direction. Um, I, I say if the torpedo are doing it and finding success, obviously the KHL and the NHL aren't a one-to-one translation, but if they're willing to try it, they're professionals too. I think the avalanche should be, I know that like typically he's regarded as somebody who's like good in traffic and pretty deceptive. Um, so, you know, he, he's somebody who can get the shot off when people are kind of around him. So I think he, he does have some value to the avalanche in terms of forward depth. Um, with the addition of Nachushkin, I think the Avs are going to have plenty of forwards to choose from that are at least serv- serviceable and able to make up for that void at 2C um, in the aggregate, as I love to say. So that's just my thoughts. I, yeah. I, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, please, please. I, I was going to say, I, I think the, I do wonder a couple of things about, about this topic is one has, has somebody like Chris McFarlane, Joe Sackick, Jared Bednar, have they called somebody uh, with torpedo and been like, "Hey, can you guys try Kovalenko at two C or at yeah, center yeah, and see yeah. see how he does?" You know, um, and maybe try and find an answer there. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, he hasn't been, he hasn't been bad. That's for sure. Um, Torpedo as a whole have, have not been very on top of their game as they were. I think they're, you, you might have to fact check me on this, but I think he was, I think they're sixth or seventh seeded going into the, into the playoffs here in, in the KHL. So, um, it's, it's like seven. one of the seven. Yeah. So it's one of the lower seeds. I think they're playing one of the top teams. So Kovalenko, theoretically, he could be coming sooner than maybe people expected him to um, if there is a quick exit. Um, but then again, there are still a lot of questions around Kovalenko and how he will do. You make a great point, though, Adrian, about how um, he's his family's, you know, been in America, been used to the NHL. So there won't be any, you know, sort of culture shock or changes um, when he comes over. Um, but it's more so about like, obviously, as also mentioned, the KHL and the NHL are not, uh, one-to-one exactly the same. So it'll be interesting to see how he does the first few games. Um, I definitely do agree though with the, the idea of at least trying him, uh, at C. I don't think they're going to put him at 2C immediately. I think what they'll do is they'll move the Roaring Twenties line back up to the second line. Uh, and then they'll have, they'll have Kovalenko be, I guess, 3C for the time being, um, but it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how it all unfolds. It doesn't hurt to try. I think try it for at least a few games. If you notice it's not working, then, you know, move him back to his natural position, because obviously you still have to look at the team as a whole. You're still in a very tough stretch fighting for a playoff spot. So um, I don't know. It would be interesting, be interesting to have him with Nishushkin. Yeah, I think, I mean, I can see that. I do think he, he'll be a lot more acclimated than somebody else, but I do think he's spent a lot of time, like, he grew up in Russia, so I I do think that getting him over this year and whatever he, how much he's able to play will help next year, um, just just that he'll be way more familiar, but um, even if you're not calling it the second line or whatever, I think having that Russian connection, I think, will be helpful. Plus, Kovalenko's a great four-checker. Like, that's the thing you're going to notice first. Like, he is just not shy about it. And so, um, you combine that with Nachushka, then you can just put whoever else on there. Right, Joe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe that'll do right something. Joe in the center. Yeah, two four-checkers and one floater, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good point, though, honestly, about, about Nachushka and Kovalenko. <laughs> one guy to just stand and wait for the puck to come out of the corner. <laughs> and hope it pops to him so he can put it yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah I, I looked it up, and, and Kovalenko moved back to Russia when he was two. So, oh, so it's not uh, as not as yeah. Okay, he he, no. he he was born in in North Carolina, but um, then Andre Kovalenko went back to the KHL and took him with him. Gotcha. Uh, pretty soon after, uh, my so my thought about like, I just I think the the biggest concern for me right now is watching the penalty kill lose face-off after face-off after face-off. And I, I know the face-offs aren't the most important thing, but on a penalty kill, they kind of are. Yeah. And Ryan Johansson can't be out there because even when he wins the draws, he then turns it back over. So it just isn't <laughs> like, it's not an option for him to be on the penalty kill anymore. And I, I don't really care that much about 2C because like we've said, they essentially can function with two middle six lines. Uh, but a 4C... Maybe it's Chris Wagner, but he hasn't been killing penalties. I've liked his game. But somebody who can just win faceoffs and kill penalties needs to be on this roster. And it doesn't seem like I think that's what they're gonna that. trade for. Exactly. Like that's a good point. Some, yeah. somebody that's gonna replace Wagner that like you said, it, they're gonna expect to win faceoffs on the penalty kill. And and I hate kind of going for specialists like that, but if the price is cheap, you well, know they're gonna, gonna add somebody, so yeah. whatever. 
that's the sort of like thing you out. get for future considerations. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Sony's just pretty close. Maybe. I would rather get one that was worth a little more than that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, like Nick Dab got hurt, but he was he yeah i'm sure a lot of people have talked about him online but i he's he's a guy where i'm like yeah that's two years at a cheap price for a guy who can really do this job and they don't have to worry about finding out if the next frederick olifson can do it you know for yeah. for another year that that'd be great yeah that does very much sound like something the abs like they like term if it's cheap so they don't like term, but then if they know that they already have an answer for next year because the guys signed for cheap, they love that. So even if yeah, he's hurt, he's like hurt. I haven't heard it's not long term. So, you know, maybe he is still kind of like something that they're interested in. Yeah, I don't know. This but there's other guys like him, like Travis Boyd in Arizona, or there's other guys who who are truly like smart face off penalty kill kind of centers who can who can skate that that aren't worth that much, but are worth a ton in this system, I think. Yeah, like Sidney Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> Smart, penalty killer, can skate. Yeah. I, I will admit that this conversation is having my mind turning a little bit because that it makes me think sadly of Darren Helm and how mm. and how he he was that for the for the Stanley Cup run. And then in 2022-23, never really got to show it because I think he played maybe five games before he was – hurt and eventually retired so um that's a good point though honestly about having a a specialist guy a guy who can face-offs kill penalties do all those sorts of things um i like the travis boyd idea i I was gonna say that i was also gonna be my next point of like i don't know who would kind of fit in that department you know um we're all so focused on 2c and like the big names right um that you kind of forget about those and you think about moves that have been made in the past nico sturm Lars Eller, uh, mm-hmm. again, not big name players, right? So um, I like the Travis Boyd idea. I know we've talked about Nick Dowd, um, again, possibly depending on on his status. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He'd have to do some more digging. I feel like to, to be able to figure that out before the trade deadline next weekend. But anyway, I think Helm was Jackie. another guy that they <clears throat> that wasn't a center that they made a center. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing that Helm reminds he kind me of. Was a left wing center his whole career, but he was definitely more of a left wing in Detroit the last few years before he came over. Interesting. I remember him I mean, playing center as a when I was a kid. <laughs> interesting. All right, I have a I have one for you guys. Then go for it. I don't know. I'm about to put my foot in my mouth, probably. But hey, what do you know? I'm a professional at doing that anyway. Let's do it again one more time. Um, <laughs> What about like a guy like Capo Caco who seems to be kind of in a weird place in New York? Supposed to be great, hasn't been as good as his draft pick was, basically. Uh, I, I don't mean, know. Intriguing. Yeah. He, he'd be cool, but I just don't see him as a, a, a the kind of player that the Avs need or the kind of player that the Rangers want to move. Yeah. I'm just like, here's, <laughs> I guess I can, here's my thoughts on it that. Uh, a guy that's drafted that high kind of has to go in a pedigree for pedigree trade. Fair. Is teams don't want to look like they're good because what was he second overall? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Teams don't want to lose the optics battle where if this guy blows up somewhere, they're never going to live it down. And so yeah. you see guy. that's why you saw like Dubois traded for line. A. You see a lot of these like sort of same for same. So I think, I think they do want to move Kako because they actually came out and said that they don't want to use their first because they want to use it at the sphere in Vegas. And so 
which is kind of funny that a contender <laughs> has admitted. We'll, we'll see. We'll see Forgot what about happens. That. But if they don't, we want to put a guy up on the sphere. <laughs> use it that a team has actually admitted that they yeah. <clears throat> find act, some value in actually having a pick and making it. And so they are going to have to look for assets to move. And I do think that Kako is is one of those guys. But it's going to be a very specific trade, like I said. They, they're going to need it to kind of be even with the pedigree optics and then move him to a team that, that sees value in him. And so for that reason, it wouldn't work with the abs because, A, we don't have anything to give. Give, yeah. And, B, <clears throat> the, how much do they want to deal with, like, a, another young player like this is not the time they want to have another young experiment gotcha like this is the time they want reputation veteran penalty kill win face-offs blah 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 so they don't want to look at someone and say well can we rehab you what does this look like and i also think he needs a contract this summer i think mm-hmm. so that's another thing and then it's like how much how much do you give him on the, on your team so i it wouldn't shock me if he was moved, but I definitely don't think it would be the Avs. I just thought of another name. I want to hear what people hole. think. I want to hear what people think about this name that I just thought of. Uh, the Avs love reunions, uh, and he's on a struggling team out east. Uh, what do you think about the legend who dropped the cup, Nicholas Abe-Kubel? He's obviously not a center, uh, but... You could then maybe put Cogliano in in the center on the fourth line. I'm not really sure, but that idea just spurred into my head. I would love it. I I th- I think they're way too hasty in letting him go. Uh, yeah. I think they assumed that he was going to want more, and then he signed for a million in Toronto, and it was like we well, could have kept him for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always liked him. I think I think he kind of brings sort of a spark to the team. Like he he is sort of that energy forward in a way in a way um and yeah he's not a center but he definitely would be a nice addition on the fourth line i'd be open to it for sure yeah me too i think if there's room for him to play uh at the wing then that makes sense uh that probably means that another wing is on their way out to bring in a center uh in my head but like um yeah he's i loved having him on the team i'd have him back for sure what about, since we're on the subject of rekindling, what about Lars Eller? He's a good face-off guy, but, I mean, that's about as far as it goes. I'm no on Eller. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, the speed's not there. Yeah. The speed's not there. He's what about Nico Sturm? What about a Nico Sturm reunion if San Jose will retain a million? I was about to bring him up, too. Like, you could with it. With, yeah, I feel like you could with him, too. Um, mm-hmm. I, you have to remind me, he's, is he a center or not? I can't he's remember. He's a center. Oh, he's yeah, center. and okay. good face-off guy. You could. I I again you'd have you'd have to talk to San Jose about trying to to retain, as you mentioned. Uh and the Avs in San Jose have done business in the past recently. So um again I could see that I could see that uh relationship rekindling. Um and of course you probably have, find out who's going the other way. Does he have one year left? He has an extra year, yeah. Okay. I'm mean, which would be okay, but Here's the other problem with San Jose. I think they only have one retention spot left, which is going to be tough because they have a lot of crap to move. But yeah, if they can only retain on one guy. That's yeah, it's not going to be him. It's going to be like Duclair or Hoffman. It's interesting. Nobody wants Hoffman. I take that back. 
We're getting ahead of ourselves. We, we still right. got we still got like two more weeks. I know trade deadline. <laughs> by the way, we're going to talk about that. How we're going to do that this year? Because I think last year we did like a tw- ten hour episode, which was pretty yeah. awesome. But <laughs> but I but I think we'll we'll probably try and prioritize that a little bit differently this year. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I have one last person to bring to the table. Um, what about Mason McTavish from Anaheim? He's got one year I left mean, on his deal. Solid on the kill. Be yeah. I, I mean, he's good, there's, but that's not. There's no way. <laughs> he's restricted free agent. Come on, guys. Remind with me. remind me of his cap hit. If you have it. I mean, he's the ELC guy. AAV. So oh, okay. Three, his, a, his cap hit is 894. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he's RFA still. Mm. Again, yeah, that's I would. That's yeah. a whole trade. That's the problem. Yeah, like they're they're not taking it. Let, letting him go for anything less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Man, in that case, I'm not in. I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah, I'm on that. Yeah, I'm out on that. Uh, okay, okay. So if you wake up tomorrow and they're like Bo and Byron for Mason McTavish, and I mean, at least it's better than some of the other ideas that have been floated yeah. out there that are just yeah, complete I would... brain dead. At least he's a good young player that can play center, but he's not nearly as proven or polished and. Bednar's not going to play him as 2C. Like, he's another no. guy that could eventually get there. So, mm-hmm. I don't really know how that works for this team. I kind of don't buy the whole you need to move a D to get a better forward. Like, D is their competitive advantage. And the second you move one of them, it's going to be like pounding the table. We need a top 4D. We need a top 4D, like, <laughs> going into next year's <laughs> deadline. Like, it never ends. Like, yeah. It's not like you just do this once and then you're like good for the rest of your life. Like there's a next year and there's a next year after that. Yeah. And once you like, I don't think Byron's expendable at all. I don't think Gerard is either. Like you made your top four, like that is the top four. And that's mm-hmm. why this team is able to play that they do. They have an identity. You can't just remove one of those guys. Cause also who you're going to replace them with, like, you're not going to be able to sign anybody near as good. Or then what? You're going to have to sign or trade Elevate. for a guy to yeah. be a top four defenseman, and that's not cheap. So I just don't see it's the answer. Like, um, if we were ever going to have the Byron conversation, which I am not in, but you need to be looking <laughs> at, like, Mart- Martin Netchess from uh, Carolina. That I love is, that dude. I love that dude. Yeah. That's the kind yeah. of trade that if you're going to move Byron, you need to make. And so I'm not even saying middle stat. Like, I don't even think middle stat's really that good, at least not worth that. Like, you have to be at the level of getting a niche, niche ass back. If you're not yeah, getting that I mean, kind of player back, then you're not winning the trade and you're making your team worse. Yeah, Agreed. It's got to be a guy who's like fully proven that they are yeah. top six lock. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Young. Number one. Like a, a top line lock. Let's just have but, Calgary retain a bunch and just bring Kadri back. What the heck? Are we doing? <laughs> sure. But the thing is, is the net chass needs a contract, and he's probably going to need to get paid like eight million dollars. Yeah, yes, he is. Right. And so anybody that's good and decent and young that you're going to bring in is going to need bare minimum eight million dollars. Yep. And Avin right. got that unless Lannis Gog retires. So in which case, that's so a yeah, that's another there. issue. And you're still losing somebody in that case. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, well, there you the go, beauty folks. Of the trade deadline, man. Yeah. You've heard it here first. Deadline. You know, we we at this program, we want to hold on to that first round pick. We want to hold on to Bowen Byram, and we want to hold on to Sam Gerard. I think that that is. Uh, and I know that saying. disappoints a lot of people. 
I think but, a lot of people would be excited if they woke up tomorrow and those things happen. But in the long run, it's better that that doesn't happen. Yeah. In it's exciting, moment. but it's like it's like a sugar high where you crash. Yeah, right it's after. instant gratification. <laughs> That's what yeah. it is. It's like, oh my god, it'd be so exciting. Just and like half, of, even more half of these names. Like that is not even exciting. That's doing yeah. something to do something. <laughs> like it, uh, we're not doing this for entertainment's sake, although it's entertaining. Let's not. <laughs> let's. let's just but not, I know I'm the yeah. trade wet blanket. I know this. I know that hey. people don't want to hear about this time of year. <laughs> There's nine more days for everybody to have their hopes and dreams. Yeah, exactly. You never know. You never know. There's always like a crazy trade out there in the world. But I'm nine sure times something it, happens. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, it's really boring. It's shuffling around lower level guys and crap for the most part. That's what the deadline is. And everyone's like, mm -hmm. oh, it's just so boring. Well, there's a reason why. <laughs> <laughs> it gets massively overhyped and then it underdelivers. Yep. Yeah. I will just mention like this because I will mention it touched on this yet, actually. And it actually is kind of pertains to, I guess, both the Avs and the Eagles that Oscar Lesson's out now for the year with his, oh, yeah. with his surgery. Um, and I know a lot of us had picked him to be a possible trade chip. Uh, not no so that, yeah, not, not anymore. So that, that even gives the abs even less options than they already mm -hmm. had before. So um, obviously hope for the best, best for Oscar um, really, really sucks. And just kind of continues with the theme that the Eagles have been struggling with injury all year. Well, the AHL, yeah. like there, there's so many injuries in the AHL. Like that's just the way it is. Um, like I don't, can't even think of one person that didn't have, I think Ivan Ivan has been the only guy that's been healthy. And he's had odd. a great year. To Ivan, Ivan. Yes, and and that's the thing. They they better sign him. They better him March and, first. Him and um, Cal Callum Ritchie. I don't know what they're yeah. going to do with both of those guys. So we'll see how that goes here in the near future. So if you enjoyed that breakaway challenge segment as well as our winner segment, please head on over to our YouTube page and check out our full catalog mm -hmm. of podcasts. We bring one to you every week. We've gotten very very good at that now. Um, so look out for us coming at you next week as well. But let's move on to our final topic, as we always do. Let's rehash our bold predictions from last week, and we'll get some new ones heading into this week's action. I'll start with mine um, from last week, which was that the uh, Avalanche would shut out the Toronto Maple Leafs for the first time since the year 2021. Anyone, not just the Avalanche. And I was wrong about that. It was looking good for like about a half a period, man. Oh, I was feeling real good, but it uh, didn't last very long. Jackie, you said that Kale McCarr would have two power play goals. I don't think he had two power play no. goals, but he had some power play points, if I'm not mistaken, so that was nice. He finally um, got his assist to beat Tyson Berry for the most yeah. points by defenseman in franchise history. Yeah. How about he's 25 took him, years took him a while. old? Yeah, I, yeah. Try, I tried, guys. I tried manifesting. <laughs> yeah. but and then I got to look work. at... I got to look at this one, Evan. Um, yours was that Nathan McKinnon would have a 10-point week. Oh, that was I, me. Oh, no, Ezra, yeah. You said that and he'd he have not. He did not. What did he end up with, though? Because it was probably six. pretty close. I was going to say. Only yeah. six. six. I really I needed a seven-point game against Dallas. So it was <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs> Or no, a six-point game against Dallas. That would yeah. be nice. I, I got a <laughs> Uh, so we went 0 for 3 last week. Uh, so let's let's get back on the right side of things. You know, the Avs got their mojo back last night. Let's see if we can get ours. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. 
All right, so we called this segment Bold Predictions because it is what it is. We make some very bold claims, and we cross our fingers and hope to the heavens above that they become true so that we can clip these moments and put them on Twitter and social media and feel really cool about ourselves. So that's pretty much this whole thing. I, I will send it over to our managing editor, Evan, first and get his bold prediction on the board. Yeah, that's, that's honestly a great way of putting our, our bold predictions <laughs> slash bold hopes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I do I do love bragging about them whenever I get them right. Exactly. Uh, so I do hope to brag about whenever I get this one right. There's a good stretch of game for the Avs uh, that they should win. Uh, I'm not going to choose a game or like a win or a win streak in particular. I'm just going to say that somebody scores a hat trick in one of these three games. I think nice. that's a real that possibility. I like it. It's the Hawks twice and the Preds, so I I like my chances. Hopefully, it's an Avalanche player. Well, that, I, I <laughs> yes, I should preface that if Connor Bedard scores a hat trick, uh, not only am I going to be very angry, but that is very wrong, and Avalanche is going to come after me. And never get a single thing by Ezra. He's freaking got it. He's got you. All right, Ezra. So Ezra is your bold prediction then that someone else will get a hat trick. No, uh, my bold prediction, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit smaller on the point side of things this week. I'm going to say Chris Wagner has two points in the next in the nice. next three games. I mean, we I'm saw points, that fourth line. I was going to say, we saw points from the fourth line uh, last night. And, I mean, Kiwi Ronta getting one against his old squad. And Cogliano getting one. Three months for Kiwi Ronta. That's crazy. Yeah, he's, last time he scored was on my birthday, which is December 7th. <laughs> And I was like, well, hey, happy birthday, you know. Um, but I like that. I like getting more points, uh, more depth points. I would also, Evan, just to touch back on yours, would be so excited to see a hat trick from really anyone. But it'd be most awesome if it was like a guy named Kale McCarr because I'm just jonesing for him to have like a Kale, crazy Kale night. Um, but Jackie, let's get to your bold prediction. What do you got for me? Um, I wonder if Kibi Ranta will even be on the team when Nuke gets back. That's kind of a, a ponderance, but, um, but no, that's not my bold prediction. I'm going to say somebody gets a shutout, one of the goalies, Ooh. in the next three games. You can see that. Hey, Bednar did say yeah. <laughs> <Here goes Ezra again. laughs> I would be yeah, very disappointed. Goalie gets a shutout. I'd be very disappointed if Chicago... Hit. Which, I don't feel like I need to pick which Avs goalie since I'm saying one shutout in three games. Ben, yeah, ben I like it. Noonan would play at least one game. Uh, I would think maybe tomorrow, just because that Nashville game is like the bigger game, you'd probably Agreed. want Georgie to play. Yeah, yeah. but I think the same. I agree. Um, All right, well, that just leaves me, and I feel like this is the most confident I've ever been that we're going to go four for four um, because I feel like all, if one of these things happens or a couple of these things that you guys have already said happen, um, there's mine's a no doubter. And mine is that the avalanche will win all three games this week. So they're going to go undefeated. And I, I and I, you know what, to make it more bold, I'm going to say they go undefeated and all three are in regulation. I, can I have a bonus prediction? Cause it might not Always. apply to like the next three games, but I'm going to say, Whenever Nichushkin does play, it's probably sometime next week, he will score a goal in his first game. Yeah. Like can definitely see that being a possibility, 
Yeah, writing like it down. Sure. So I got Evan. I got you down. The Avalanche will see a hat trick uh, this week. Ezra, I got you down for two points from Chris Wagner. Jackie sees a shutout in one of the next three games. Adrian thinks that they're going to go undefeated in all three and in regulation. And Jackie, with a little cherry on top, says Nuke's going to score in his first game back. See, and that's why we call this bold hopes, because as you can tell, they're all very (laughs) optimistic, unless we didn't make those (laughs) disclaimers that they were for the avalanche. (laughs) Appreciate you, Ezra. I'm just here to help. (laughs) <laughs> but if all these things go against them, like a hat trick against, a shutout against, <laughs> they lose all three uh, in regulation. We got a rebrand. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I don't got anything else to touch on. Do you three have anything you want to talk about league wide uh, or or Avalanche related that we haven't touched on? I don't think so. Not that I can think of. Anyway, I I do wonder though. And I've been meaning to ask this for ever. Uh, for our AHA, AHA, that's the wrong week, AHL gal, Jackie, about how the Eagles are kind of doing as a whole, uh, since I know it's been a while, and I know we touched good, good on, question. on Alausin and being out, but, Pro, but Prozvatov being absolutely dominant and just where they're at, I guess. Um, okay, so I believe it will be, I guess I'll have to put it up tomorrow. Um, my Eagles three stars, so that's coming. Um, they do have a game tonight, so still chance for somebody to grab one of those stars. So I can't give you any spoilers there, but, um, <laughs> I probably will tell you Prospetov's one star. Uh, yeah, he's been amazing. I believe his record's eight and oh, two shutouts, uh, like a nine fifty nine save percentage. I think at wow. 1.25 goals against, I mean, just, just totally dominant stuff. And then. That's helped them a lot in the standings. I think they're two points away from the division lead now. Um, you know, they're they're basically the same kind of team, though. Like, sometimes they have trouble scoring. They're not the most talented in general. They don't really have any great prospects on the team. You know, they're not having um, really good scorers. You're not looking at the, the Dallas kids who are carrying their team. So it is like a lot of veteran chipping in. Um, but Ivan, Ivan's been amazing. Um, foodies healthy again. Like he's just such a big help. He drives play so well. Um, they just kind of do it by committee. They're never really amazing in any one spot. They play very well at home. They're on a six game road trip. So we'll see how that goes. They are a team that historically has been a lot better at home than on the road. Um, Kind of the same. They're a playoff team. I think they'll probably be a first or second round exit. Just kind of similar to what they always are, but they definitely, I mean, they started this year with three consecutive shutouts, like shutouts against, and and now they're two points away from the division lead. So it definitely has been a good couple months for them. Yeah, that's, I would consider that a success, a successful season down there for the Eagles. And hopefully they have more success on the road than the Avalanche have uh, recently <laughs> with that six game road trip coming up for them so that they can hold on to that uh, position in their playoff race. Similarly, the Avalanche are kind of hanging on to second and third in their division race. So hopefully both teams can kind of take a step towards uh, divisional superiority, is how we'll put it. Uh, but 
that's a great update, Jackie. Thank you very much. We should just have like a Jackie's AHL corner every episode. Sure. Where we just I'm good with that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. That'll be fun. Um, but yeah, folks, if you enjoyed this episode, please head on over to milehighhockey.com. We have previews, recaps, opinion pieces. We got Jackie's AHL three stars. Ezra does uh, grades for the players. Um, and Evan is always all over all of it, pretty much. And sometimes we do some pretty fun roundtables. So head on over to the website. It's an excellent community. Get in there, sign up, make your own account so you can get in on the comments. That's always a fun time as well. And if you enjoyed this, share it with your fellow Avalanche fans. Um, as usual, like, subscribe, share. Check out this episode. Uh, it'll be up tomorrow on all of your preferred podcasts uh, streaming platforms and lastly please head on over to x and follow us at mile high hockey and you can follow the podcast itself at capital mhh underscore lab that's all caps mhh underscore lab my name is adrian hernandez i've been joined by ezra evan and jackie thank you to the three of you for joining me and signing off from the Mile High Hockey Lab here in Pueblo, Colorado. Go Avalanche. Thank you for tuning into the Mile High Hockey Lab. 